0: Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I want to I preach on something that is so vital, so important in church today, and has really gone missing uh, in a lot of the church world, and that is called discipleship. Amen? Discipleship. I'm not going to ask you this morning how many of you are disciples because maybe some don't know yet, but I hope by the time this is over you'll know if you are or you aren't or you're in the process, amen, because it's a process. So it says, disciple, be one and make one. A lot of people today, if you'll think about people you've met, and maybe you're one of these people, maybe this was your verbiage. Um... But hopefully God will change it because we need to understand what God's word says. You'll meet someone in this and you'll say, they'll say, I'm a Christian. They'll say, I go to church. They'll say, I'm part of uh, so and so or such a place. Or they'll say these different things. Um, but how many know that just because someone says they're a Christian or someone says they go to church doesn't mean that they are a disciple? Amen? It's, it's, it's not just a word. It's a lifestyle. And I want to kind of get into this this morning because a, a lot of us uh, can miss this. I, I feel like a lot of times when I run into people, and, and you know that I always mention specifically, you know, my, my place outside of church and work, and that, that thing is, is basketball, the basketball world, and, and, and playing basketball, and being at uh, different gyms and different things like that, even though I'm not really playing anymore, I still uh, go. I, I was watching a tournament yesterday, and I'll go to the gym and see the guys because there's a, a harvest there, fruit. And um, when I meet people, a lot of times, it's in, in, in more in the past when I was playing, it was very interesting because we'd be in the heat of the battle and be playing and stuff and you'd hear these guys cuss, hear these guys between games talk about their relationships and they talk about things they did and places they were at the night before and they had this certain kind of way they were talking and then all of a sudden when they found out that I was a believer, all of a sudden they stopped talking that way, they stopped cussing and... They stop talking about, you know, they just change their verbiage. And help me know that is not the way we're supposed to live our lives. We're not chameleons, amen? And, And so a lot of people in the church world today claim to be Christians, but they're not disciples. And I don't want that to be the case in our church. That's our vision. Reach, teach, send. Evangelism, discipleship, church planting. But a lot of churches are missing the middle piece. A lot of churches get people saved. People say a sinner's prayer. Uh, not very many people are starting churches. But that teach part in the middle is everything this morning. It's everything we need, and it's so important. So important that Jesus said in Matthew 28, if you look at this, he said that when he was with the 11 disciples, as they went into away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them, he said, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke, watch this, and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make converts of all nations. Is that what it says? Go therefore and, and make Christians of all nations. Go, therefore, and make believers. Go, therefore, and make church members. What does it say? Disciples. Here's a statement I forgot to say in the first service. Disciples are made, not born. You're not born a disciple. Even when you're born again, you're not a disciple. Disciples are made. Discipleship is a a decision to say, okay, I believe, see a lot of people can get this far. They can say, I, I, I believe that that God is real. I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That's, a, I, that's about as far, just, just being honest, as a lot of people get. And they don't know much ma- much, much past that. And it is our obligation, church, to learn. We've got to learn what the Bible says. We've got to learn what Jesus taught. And we've got to become a disciple. And then we need to make disciples. Meaning we need to multiply ourselves. Do you realize this morning that because of discipleship, we're here this morning? Not because of crusades, not because of just preaching, but because of discipleship, we're here this morning. Jesus took 11 men. We know he had 12. One turned on him. And then it was replaced. And took 12 men. And sent them out into the world and said, what we're reading here, go, and let's finish this, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And let's finish 20. Teaching them, there's the key, teaching them to observe the things that they want to learn. What is it? Teaching them whatever the pastor says. Know what? What I have commanded you Jesus gave commands to us and he says, I want what what you've learned I want you to pass on to somebody else and lo I'm with you always even to the end of the age amen Jesus would go preach to the multitudes he would go to a place where there was thousands of people we saw that in the feeding of the 5,000 we saw that in different times where uh we don't know how exactly how he did it because he didn't have a microphone but he was speaking to thousands of people and once he was done preaching to the multitudes what would he do He would get alone with his disciples, and he would teach them. And he would give them parables, the explanation of the parables. And and the disciples, though, here's the key. The disciples had to say, teacher, teach me. The disciples had to have a willingness to learn. Now, I want to say this right off the bat. I want to ask a question. How many in here are people who liked school? Let me see your hand. You liked learning? Okay, look around. Very few compared to the rest. And listen, praise God for that. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. You're lucky. How many did not like school and did not like learning? Okay? More people than, than, than the other. But here's the key. Whether you liked learning or didn't like learning growing up, now as a Christian and as a believer, you have to learn and want to des- have a desire to learn about the things of God. You have to if you're going to make it. It's not just a a fire insurance thing. Oh, I'm saved. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. He didn't say that. He didn't say, say a sinner's prayer and be saved. He said, make disciples. And unfortunately, church, a lot of people don't really have an understanding of what they believe. And we've heard things in the past about how People don't know the books of the Bible, and people don't know different things, and, and, and they have their passions in different places, and, and church, we've got to be a people who are, are sponges and have a desire to learn, because I believe today a huge problem in the church is the lack of discipleship. So when we go back to those people that you meet, maybe you've met someone at work, met someone at school, met someone in the supermarket. And they said they were a Christian, but their lifestyle did not line up with the life of a Christian. What I say to those people, because I meet them a lot, and I'm not saying it in a judgmental way. Nothing that I'm saying this morning is in a judgmental way. I'm preaching God's word. And what I say a lot of times is that person, sometimes you can see in them, and you might know someone like this, a real love for God, like they truly do love God. But I'll say they're not, they have not been discipled. They have not been discipled. You know, it would be kind of like this. Let me give you a generic explanation or or, 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 or illustration. It would be kind of like a person who signed up for the military and said, I want to serve. And you just give them a gun and you send them out to war. That's kind of what happens a lot of times in church. Because the people, they love God and they want to serve God, but they don't know how to use the gun. They don't know how to function as a, as a military person or, or a police officer. You know, my daughter just became a police officer and she's working today. And can you imagine if she went through the academy for one week? And then they just, and now she's in field training. So she's actually with another police officer learning every day how to do her job. And, and can you imagine if they just, after a week, said, here, here's your badge, here's your gun, go be a cop. Can you imagine how how horrible that would be, how, how disastrous that would be. The church does that. We, we many times get saved, and then we in our heart of hearts, we want to tell people about the Lord, and we want to share our faith, and we do, we begin to do it, but then we realize, I don't even know what I'm sharing. Like I know Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so, but I don't really know anything else. It'd be like the police officer pulling the person over and getting to the car and saying, uh, can I have your license and registration please? And they give it, and then when she gets it, she says, okay, um, I really don't know what we're supposed to do next. Are y'all with me? And we know what the person would say. Just let me go. But can you imagine the picture, right? The police officer's like, the person, well, what is it? What would you pull me over for? I don't know. I haven't learned that yet. I'm still in school. Y'all with me? That's what Christians do a lot of times. We believe in God, we love God, but we have not been discipled. And we don't really know what we believe. Now, this is twofold. Sometimes it is the discipler's fault. Sometimes it's the church's fault. And a lot of times it's the people's fault because they don't have a desire to learn. They don't want to learn. And so I see this as a huge problem. So we're going to be going over this for the next few weeks. I'm going to be preaching on discipleship and how important it is. Okay? Now, in in the church, we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and read a verse here. In the church setting... Here, for example, in our church, we have a humongous emphasis in, 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 on, on discipling men. Now, that does not mean that our church is chauvinist. It does not mean that we think that men are more important than women or women are less. What we are doing is following the, the Bible pattern of what Jesus did. Because don't we understand this morning, men and women, that a strong family is a family where the man is standing in the position that God placed him, which is the leader. Are you all still here? The Bible says that Christ is the head of the church and the man is the head of the home. And this does not take away from, we used to run into this all the time in Costa Rica. Lots of times, lots of women came to our church and their husband. We have some some in our church here that that's the case, it's always going to be the case. But we had lots of it in Costa Rica where the woman would come to church and her husband didn't want to have anything to do with God. And she she was standing in the gap, she was bringing her kids uh, to church and the, the, the husband wasn't doing anything, or sometimes they weren't married or whatever. And so th- there, a, a woman does a great job to stand in. My mother did that. My dad will tell you that. My dad will say he was working. My mom took us to church. My mom did his job. But that doesn't make it right. I mean, lots of things happen today that doesn't make it right. We just kind of exist that way. So in our church, we put a real emphasis on training up men just like jesus did jesus did not take if you look at the bible he did not take women aside with him am i preaching the bible stop looking at me weird i know we're in 2019 and 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 everybody's equal now but the bible hasn't changed jesus took men aside And he taught them, and you know what happened? They went back as men with character and integrity and leaders of their family and their wives loved their husbands because they were being the man that God had called them to be. And the kids were in order, and everything was in order, and when it's not in order, it's out of order. Now, again, it doesn't mean a woman can't stand in and do it if the man's not there, but it is still God's intention for the man to lead. Can I get an amen so I can move on? All right. And so everything we do, part of discipleship is, why do we do things? It's that we do what the Bible says. We follow the instructions. Isn't that kind of our problem today in our society? Our society is changing things based on how we feel, based on what we think is right. If society would just stick to what the Bible says, we would be good. But we don't do that. We say this is that and this is the other and we don't follow the Bible. So uh, in our hearts as a church today, we want to be a healthy church. And a healthy church, follow me and stay with me on this, is when a church is building the church by the people. Okay? I'm going to make this statement really quick because this is important. I'm going to read this. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to help me remember this, because I want to read this first. But I want to come back in a second, and John, you help me if I forget for some reason, to, to remember that point of the middle, right, where we're at. We're not the big church, not the small church, but the middle, okay? So let's read this. You, therefore, my son. Now, now notice here that there is a personal uh, uh, an intimacy here of, of friendship and love. Paul and Timothy are not related, but he calls him his son. I don't have any physical sons. I'm gonna have a son-in-law next month, but I don't have any physical sons. I have two daughters, but I have spiritual sons. And this is what Paul had. Pastor Dylan is my spiritual son. Pastor Duane is my spiritual son. There are men in here who are my spiritual sons biblically, where I am trying to teach them as a man, not that I have it all together or I'm perfect on it, but trying to teach them as a man how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to lead, follow Christ as I follow me as I follow Christ. And so Paul is doing that with Timothy, and he shows here this. This intimacy, and, and this is why I'm going back to in discipleship, if you're going to become a disciple, you have to have a desire to be discipled. You have to have that, okay? You have to want someone. Now, now women can speak into women's lives. We have ladies in our church. We have, we have small groups. We have, uh, Laura leads up to ladies. We have my wife here. We have women who can speak into women's lives. Listen, I as a man cannot tell you how to be a woman, You as a woman cannot tell me how to be a man. It's our society is messing that all up. We're trying to, men are trying to teach women and women are trying to teach men and, and vice versa and all the other. I can only teach somebody how to be what I am. And so in the church, the health of the church is where women are, and listen, I'm, di- I'm preaching very different this service than the, second, than the first service. So all that were in the first service that are workers are getting something totally new because the Holy Spirit is taking me somewhere else for some reason. Okay? But the women teach the women, and the men teach the men, and and iron sharpens iron, and that's what discipleship is. I become a disciple, and I make disciples. So I am a disciple, and I'm making disciples. It's how the gospel got here. Twelve men changed the world. Twelve men said, I'm going to go find another man. I'm going to speak into his life. I'm going to teach him what I've learned, and then twelve's going to become twenty-four. And then 24 is going to become 48. And then 48 is going to be 96. And then I'm going to stop right there because if I try to add the next one, I might be wrong. Without a calculator. Y'all with me? Multiplication is what got the gospel to us in 2019. Not just some mega church. Not just some motivational speaking. It was a person learning what God had taught them and then them giving it on to somebody else. Paul says, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If Jesus is not in discipleship, you're not being discipled. What is discipleship if you're taking notes? It's simply, if I could make it very simple, it is being a student of who Jesus is. Being a student of who Jesus is. Now this goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. If you don't like learning and you don't like school and you don't like studying, you're never going to be a disciple. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm one of those people that didn't raise my hand for liking school. If it wasn't for sports, I would not have graduated, I promise. Not because I was dumb. I got good grades, but I only applied myself because I wanted to be eligible to play sports. Thank God that sports exist in high school. It would have been a lot higher dropout rate. And you know how I know that's true because I lived in Costa Rica for 10 years and they don't have the sports six, the sports structure that we have and most of their pe- or a lot of not most a lot of people drop out of eighth grade. Cuz they don't have the sports structure in their high schools that caused them to want to start to stay eligible. So I thank God for sports to keep me eligible. I wasn't smart. As you get older, you young people learn from us as older people, you start realizing how important it is to learn. And like, if you don't like history, as you get older, have you noticed that you become more enamored with with history? You tend to want to know more about history. And there's a reason why. What's the old saying? History repeats itself. So history is almost like looking into the future. If you become a disciple, you begin to say, Lord what mistakes did they make back in the bible what what were the things that they messed up on what what were the and, and we began to begin to learn from them and so this is what paul's doing paul is now teaching timothy the things he's learned trusting that timothy's going to pass that on to somebody else and how many know he did okay so let's keep reading he says and this is our theme for men's discipleship and it's a theme for our church but every man that comes to a discipleship on a friday morning gets this In in their Bible, and they write it down, and it's, and the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's discipleship. I'm learning, how many are learning in here this morning how to be a disciple? Now we're changing it from not just a Christian, but now how to be a disciple, how to be a student of who Jesus is. Okay, And so we're learning, what, and as we learn now, I don't understand this if I'm not being taught this in this church of discipleship, that I just keep that to myself. Jesus didn't change you just for yourself. He changed you for somebody else. Because if you keep it yourself, no one's going to know about the Jesus that you know, and at some point the gospel's going to stop being spread. Jesus did not say, go therefore into the world and hide in a cave with the things I've taught you. He said, "Go preach the gospel, discipling all nations." We have to tell other people what we've learned. Okay, now let's finish this real quick. Actually, let me say this real quick so I don't forget it. So, here's health. If you've been in this church very long, or you've been coming very long, you know that balance is everything. Okay, baseball field mentality. We're not. We're not. We don't want to be in left field. Not that there's anything wrong with baseball, left field and baseball. We don't want to be in right field. We want to be in the center. But that, that's balance, okay? You always want to be in the middle. You don't ever want to go to an extreme on the things of God, one way or the other. We talked about that last week with holiness. There are churches, and I'm just going to throw this out for the example. There's churches that, that think holiness is how you dress. That's their teaching. That's the extreme. And there's others that think that your dress doesn't have anything to do with who you are and, and your character and your, there's a balance in the middle y'all with me and so here's the here's the picture of a church a church should not be super small god did not intend for a church to be 12 people and stay that forever a church that is not growing is not healthy what what does a 35 year old person look like in a six-month-old body not not normal odd so a church is supposed to grow but a church is not supposed to grow so big that it becomes what we call mega church and, it, and people can hide in it and don't have to be accountable to anybody. Are you all with me? See, there's a middle. And watch this. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this, watch this. Here's what happens in an unhealthy church. A small church, and listen, I'm not saying a church that's small is bad. I'm just saying it can't stay there. Church has to grow. But a church that's small and stays small, I know churches that have been small forever and they're going to be for, sometimes we joke around and call them the frozen chosen, the 12. You know, they, they just stay that way. They're, they're, some people become a social club. It's like, this is our church, this is our group, and we're just going to maintain this group and make sure we all get to heaven. That is so not biblical. Maybe you've been in one of those. Maybe you, you, you came from one of those. Maybe you grew up in one of those. That's not biblical. Well, we just God's just given me this, this fruit to make sure it gets to heaven. Where's that in the Bible? It says go and make disciples of all nations. It says go and preach the gospel. The, go means go, not stay. Okay? So a small church stays small, watch this, because the pastor does everything and the church is built on the pastor. The pastor preaches, the pastor visits, the pastor prays, the pastor goes, the pastor builds. The pa- Everything's about the pastor and the church stays small <clears throat> because everything's on the pastor. The same thing happens in the megachurch. The church is built on a preacher or in our day, unfortunately, a motivational speaker. Can I speak truth to you? That's what the big churches, in general, there may be some. There may be some that exist that are not that way. I, I can think of a couple. There's one in this area that, that as far as I know, is very large, but they're different, but very rarely. Because those churches get so big, watch this, and they, they, they go because they want to hear the motivational speaker. Now, they don't call them that, but they want to go hear the message of that guy because he's got something. And if you don't believe that, go to one of those big churches when he's not there and see how many people show up. See, my, my model is, my pastor, Pastor Jones, when I was in Costa Rica, he came, I don't remember what year it was, and he came to learn Spanish. And I want to say he was like 60, and he came over there to learn, he went to school. And, and so he went to learn Spanish. Now he ended up having to go back after four months because of a, a tragedy in the family but watch this. The four months that he was gone in Costa Rica, the church grew. That's a healthy church. There is nothing that gives me more uh, joy than when I'm gone. If I go to preach a revival or, or if I go somewhere, most of the time when I'm gone, it's because I'm preaching somewhere. And even if it's vacation, it's, we usually make vacation out of where we go to preach. So if I'm gone, I'm preaching somewhere, and nothing makes me happier to hear that the attendance was great when I'm gone. That doesn't make me sad. That makes me happy. That means people are coming to church for Jesus and not for me. Can I get an amen? Are you all staying with me here? This is good preaching. This is is discipleship. And so we talked about this in our meeting on, on, on Friday night. A church that's healthy or unhealthy. Just to verify that one more time is when it's large and it's built on a name, and everybody's going because of the name, or it's small and and the, and usually the pastor's the the, the the one that's guilty of that because he doesn't delegate, he doesn't give people opportunity to minister, he doesn't he doesn't use people. It's all about him, so they stay small. But see, we're in the middle, and we have a healthy church. And Wednesday, Friday night, we did something that gave us proof of that. And, and we had this little thing, I don't have to go into all the details of that, but we found out that this church is being built by us, by the people, by you. It's being built by you, individuals, reaching out to individuals, reaching out to individuals, and that's how the church is growing. And this is healthy, because we're being discipled. And we're learning the things. At the end of the meeting, I was listening to four or five of our guys talk about how they had come in and become discipled. And how they were iron sharpening iron. And they've taught each other the things that they've learned. That's the healthy church. Did you all see that picture okay? That when a church is healthy, it's the church people growing it. My pastor used to always tell me that a real revival is when the people grow the church. Okay? It's not my job. I can't disciple everybody. I would love to be able to have enough time in the week. And if anybody knows me, you know this is the truth. I'd sit down and drink coffee with every single one of you for an hour. I can talk about God all day long. But I can't do that with everybody. It's impossible. And that's not healthy either. But what is healthy is for people in this church to learn and then to say, hey, I see that person over there. I kind of I kind of see that they're coming through some stuff I've been through. And I'm going to go over there and I'm going to make friends with them. And I'm going to get their number. And I'm going to meet with them. And I'm going to share the things that I've learned. And then it starts to accelerate and it starts to multiply. And all of a sudden the church is growing, but it's growing healthy because we have the same vision. And disciples are making disciples. That's healthy. And they say, man, you've been in this church for three years. What have you learned? And you start to teach. The sad thing would be if someone's been in a church for ten years and they don't know anything. Another statement that my pastor made that is so true, and I've, I've quoted this for years, and this is a picture, is a lot of churches are a mile wide and an inch deep. Think about that. There's no substance. Destiny was singing that song <clears throat> in, the, in, the, in the bridge where it talks about that foundation. Churches don't have a foundation because, again, it's built on a person or it's built on an ideology, and a lot of times Jesus is the one that's left out somehow. If Jesus is not in the center of everything that we do, if souls being saved and discipled is not in the center of everything that we do, let me ask you a question. What are we doing? This is a soul-winning agency, and Jesus Christ is our product, and he's a product that everybody in this world needs to have. And we need to be salesmen, not for money, but we need to let everybody know that we have the antidote for the sin of this world. That's discipleship, passing that on to somebody else. Amen. Y'all still here? So let's finish this rest of this verse in 2 Timothy, and then I'm going to give you some things to think about as we close out. So this is important. This is why a lot of people don't get discipled, because today a lot of people want to be fed. They want to be given, but they don't really want to give discipleship is a two-way street you have to receive but you also have to give of yourself and he says you therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ you enlist in his army and you say Lord I am totally 100% into you it's all about you no one engaged in warfare engages himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. How sad is it a lot of times that we come to church, and again, everything I'm saying is generalized to the church world, that we come to church in the name of Jesus, but we don't really give Jesus glory. Or we don't really give Jesus his time or his place. Isn't everything we're doing about Jesus? Nothing that we have, we would have without Jesus. So it's got to be about Jesus. Like going to a going to a birthday party and not celebrating the person who's having the birthday. It's it's about Jesus, and so he says we, we we have to do that. Now watch: if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. God's got rules. I know people hate rules, but God has rules. God has a way He wants us to conduct ourselves. He has a way he wants us to live. We have to learn those rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all these things. We need understanding. We need to learn how to carry ourselves as disciples. Now I'm going to give just, just probably one this morning. That's all I got in the, uh, in the first service. Uh, because we're going to go over this for several weeks. Um, some qualities of a disciple. And so if you're a learner here this morning, you say, give it to me. Give it to me. I want to know. What, what, what are some qual-? And then as you hear them, you may say, okay. And as we go through this in the next few weeks, you may say, okay, I, I'm, I'm working on that. And I'm, I feel like I've got a grasp on that. And I'm not there because I'm never going to be there. It doesn't matter how long I pastor, I'll never stop being a disciple doesn't matter how much you grow in the Lord or how much God uses you, you'll never stop being a disciple. You're always going to be a disciple, but you need to be a discipler. Because that's where our crown's going to come in. Can I just show you that real quick? That's where your crown's going to come in. When you get to heaven, you want to be able to have something to give back to Jesus. Your crown comes from what you do for others. When you mentor people and you disciple people, your greatest joy should be Like I can say this honestly, my greatest joy is to see others do things for the Lord that I've had a part in their life. That's my greatest joy. And if you'll get that in your heart and you'll become unselfish and you'll say, Lord, how can I help the work? How can I help this grow? How can I do something to help somebody else fulfill their destiny? You're going to be happy. But if you're always about you, you're not going to be happy. Like, how can I help somebody else succeed? And how many know that some people excel more than others at some times? Then we can get behind them and say, hey, man, I really see you growing in God. How can I help you continue to grow? Teamwork, right? Teamwork makes the dream work. So we're going to close this morning with this thought of the first quality, which is you have to be passionate about Jesus. Passionate about Jesus. You cannot be, listen, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ and not be passionate about him. You cannot be more passionate, young people, about Fortnite than you do Jesus, or you're not a disciple. You cannot be more passionate, people, about Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat than you are Jesus, or you're not a disciple because how many know we are passionate people? Some people say, I'm not very passionate. I promise you, if I sit down with you for a half an hour, I'll find out what you're passionate about. Matter of fact, it won't take a half an hour. In five minutes, I'll figure out what you're passionate about because what you're passionate about, you talk about. And when you talk about it, you show what your interests are. And listen, I understand. We, we, don't, we, don't just, we don't just live on a cloud and with our hands raised to Jesus. We, we live in a life. There's nothing wrong with hobbies. There's nothing wrong with, with entertainment. There's nothing wrong with life, but it cannot take the Lord's place. And if we get too passionate for those things and Jesus becomes second, that's idolatry. And so the first thing that happens as a disciple is that I start to uh, and I'm going to give you just one verse here, First Peter chapter two, and this is it. We're closing. First Peter chapter two, verse eleven, is he says, "Beloved, I I I beg you." And another word for sojourners or pilgrims would be foreigners. Meaning, this is the key. If you want to get started on this discipleship road, and I believe a lot of you do, is you have to understand that this is not this world is not it. We're just passing through. Too many people love this world more than they love Jesus. It's a problem. It's a fact. So he says, I beg you to abstain from the fleshly lust that war against your soul. We talked about holiness last week. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Watch this. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works this is the key. Which they observe. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Observe. You don't observe words. You see actions. Your actions speak louder than your words. Amen? Your actions speak louder than your words. Some people... Unfortunately, will be in church all their lives and never get past first base because they don't take God serious. But man, I tell you, when they get to heaven and stand before Him, they'll be real serious. Let's get serious now. Let's take discipleship serious now. Let's, let's get serious about the things of God now so that we're not ashamed later. It says that they would observe your good works. means they've got to see it, not hear it. I heard a statement a bunch of years ago, and I've quoted it for many, many years. It says, go and preach the gospel to all the world, and when necessary, use words. Meaning that they should look at your life and say, I want what he has. I want what she has. There's something about their life, not their words, their lifestyle. That's different. How many want that this morning? Two people. Amen. That's all I need is two people. You want your life to glorify God. Your actions to glorify God. To live what you preach. So a passionate commitment to the Lord is number one. And this morning as we close out, today, we have to constantly do inventory in our hearts and say, God, Am I keeping you first? Am, am I keeping you first? I I, I want to close with an example, and listen, church. I I am always whenever I say something, I am just preaching the Bible. I can't preach anything else. Once you get saved, <clears throat> you become a convert. You've converted from a non-believer to a believer. But not everybody who is a convert becomes a disciple that's what sets the church apart that's the discipling churches people turn from converts to disciples in another way would be turning from milk to meat once you get saved there's an expiration date on the grace period of your salvation follow me with this everything has an expiration everybody's different there's a date where God's like, listen, you've been saved this long. By that date, you need to start making some changes. Y'all follow me? You've heard this message but this many times. I need some changes. And I'm not saying an expiration date in the sense of he's just going to kill you. Right? He's just going to cut you off. But at the same time, f- trees that don't bear fruit get cut. So it, it is a serious thing. But there's an expiration date. And, and there comes a time when you've heard something so many times that now God says, now it's not something you don't know. Now you're just being disobedient. And we don't want to be as this church, people who live a life that is contrary to the word and makes people doubt God by our lifestyle. Ran into a basketball friend, and I've known him for years, and I send him verses. He plays professionally. He's not in this church, and I know he's a believer. He says he's a believer. He, he's very adamant about that. I know his pastor, I know the church he goes to. And we ate lunch last week, and he, we sat down together, and he said these words He said, My girlfriend just moved in with me. I know it's wrong, but, and kept on talking. See, that right there is something that a Christian should not say. Why is it so quiet in here? The Bible says fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's, that's if I just came in and got saved, and I'm in my expiration date thing here, and I don't know yet, and I'm figuring this thing out, God looks at the intentions of the heart. But if I now know what's wrong, and I just said with my own mouth, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I did, he has just condemned himself with his own words. And I, through friendship and relationship, have to help him understand that. That should be coming from his pastor and his church. Because I'm going to tell you here, if you're living that way, you need to change your lifestyle. Because I don't want you to go to hell. You see the difference? But if you're in a big, humongous church where no one holds you accountable, you can just live however you want to live. And I'll never know how you're living anyways. And I don't know everything, trust me. But when I find out... Then I come and I'd say, Hey, listen, you're, you're living in sin. The Bible says this. What are you gonna do about this? And that's accountability, that's discipleship. And you gotta change some things. That's the difference. How many want that kind of that kind of life? You want you want someone to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear? That's discipleship. And so there's a way for him to come around to that and say, Let listen, let's listen. I I I know this is wrong and we're going to make this right, and uh, you're going to move back out, or um, we're going to stop being together. We're, we're making tra- drastic decisions here. And listen, this church is full of couples that came in and were living together and got saved and got married and got right with God. And that's God's will. That's discipleship. But if it's not being preached and it's not being taught, there's going to be a church that's not going to be ready when Jesus comes back. How many don't want to be that people? How many want to be ready? Amen. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for truth. I'm never going to be afraid or ashamed to speak the truth. I'm going to speak what your word says, and I'm going to speak it to myself first, and that it would change me and transform me and cause me to be the person you've caused want me to be according to your word. I want my works to glorify you. So that those that observe me would glorify your name in the day of visitation, Father. Lord, all over this place this morning, I hope and pray and believe that there is a desire to be discipled. There is a desire in this place to grow. There's a desire that says, God, I, I don't want to live the way I used to live. I'm not, I don't want to live in my ignorance anymore. I want to I be a sponge and learn. What does your Bible say about this? And church, it's not out of condemnation that I say this, but how much of the Bible do we know? How much time have we spent this week in reading the Word? How much time have we spent this week praying compared to Fortnite or Instagram or Facebook or movies or other things? Not condemnation. I don't ask that to condemn you. I ask that for you to check your heart. What's our priority? What's our passion? A true disciple. You say, am I a disciple? The answer is, if you are passionate about Jesus, you are a disciple. But if your passions are not Jesus, you're not a disciple. You're just a believer. You're just a convert. And that's not what God wants you to be. How many in this place would be honest with me this morning and say, Pastor, I'm not saved I need Jesus to come into my heart this morning. I need to be born again. Listen, the Bible says we cannot go to heaven unless we are born again. What does that mean? In the discipleship form, it means that Jesus said we were born of water the first time by our by our mother physically, but to go into heaven we must be born again, and that's spiritually. That means it starts over, life starts over, and we're born again and we become a new person. If you've never said that prayer, the reason I say this so much in our service is because there are people sitting in churches around this world that are, that are faithful churchgoers, but they're not saved. They're not born again, and their life's not bearing fruit. If you're here this morning and you're that's you, today needs to be the day you say, Lord, I'm getting right. I'm getting right with God today. I'm making Jesus Lord of my life today. I'm not waiting until tomorrow or next week. Today's the day of my salvation. If you're here and that's you, just... Say, Pastor, here's my hand. Pray for me this morning. Lift me up. I want to be right with God. I want to put my faith in Jesus this morning. All over this place. How many, to be honest, that's me. I need Jesus. I want to be born again. Okay, you're here and you're saved and you say you believe in Jesus and, and you're born again. What if you're backslidden? What if you're running? What if you've ran away? What if you're going back to the old ways? Come home today. Get right. Say, Lord, I've started my feeling myself being pulled away. I'm being influenced by other people. One of the weakest things you can do as a person, as a believer in Christ, is be influenced by non-believers. It's a weakness. God doesn't want us to be weak. God called us to be the leaders and the influencers, the salt, to be different, to be set apart. God wants you to be that. God made you to be that today. Come back. Get back in line again. Get back in, in order with God. You can make a decision today and things can change just like that. As we stand to our feet this morning, we're going to sing a song. And I want this to be your question. You ask yourself this morning, God, am I a disciple? And he might say, you're in the process. Or he might say, yes, and you're going to be continued. Because we're never going to become totally what God wants us to be. But we should be marching towards it. We're not the person we were last year. But we're not the person God wants us to be next year. Amen? We're growing. We're growing. We're we're learning. We're learning. We're we're hungry for the things of God. So we're going to begin to sing this song. The altars are open. The heart that God wants from us this morning, amen, as you find a place is, is Lord, disciple me. Lord, teach me. Lord, grow me. Lord, rebuke me. Lord, encourage me. Lord, challenge me. Give me what I need. I don't want sugar-coated words. I want the truth, Father. I, I want to be right with you in my life. Amen. He is worthy this morning of all glory and all honor. In all praise, Lord, make me a disciple this morning. Amen. Worthy. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.